Well, hey, good morning, church. We're so glad that we, you're with us. Listen, if you have your Bibles, please open them up to the book of Psalms. Uh, we're we're going to be in chapter 23, and we're going to be in Psalm 23 as we continue. We wrap up our study that we've been doing here the last three weeks, um, God of the Valley. Now, we, we'd also love for you to follow along and take notes with us, and so what we do is we've got some digital sermon notes for you. We're going to put this full screen. If you'll open up the camera app on your phone and, and, and point it at that QR code, it'll pop up a little link. You can click on that link, and it'll open up our digital sermon notes. That's also important because you'll find there is a digital bulletin attached to it. And so uh, what I'm going to do, guys, is Pray for us, then we're going to jump in with both feet uh, into Psalm 23. Father God, thank you for loving us. Thank you for who you are. Thank you for the truth of your word. We know that your word is alive, that it's active, that it's sharper than a double-edged sword. We, we know that it, it's what we need. And, and so God, we're going to pray right now by the power of your Holy Spirit that you would come, uh, take your place as, as our teacher and our guide, lift up Jesus that we see him clearly, point out our sin and our shortcomings, and, and, and let us see you in all of your glory. God, we pray that you change our hearts and our minds, that we might live for you and not for us. In Jesus' name, we pray all of these things. And God's people said, Amen. Amen. And so, uh, guys, uh, Psalm 23, we're going to read the whole thing. And here is what the word of the Lord says. It says, The Lord is my shepherd. I have what I need. He lets me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He renews my life. He leads me along the right paths for his namesake. Even when I go through the darkest valley, I, I fear no danger, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Only goodness and faithful love will pursue me all the days of my life. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord as long as I live. Uh, well, church, there's, there's four things that I want to share with you this morning. I just think are, are crucial as we kind of wrap up our, our time studying life in the valley. And here's the first thing I want you to know, guys. We see how God works on the mountain, but we learn how He walks in the valley. Let me say that again. And we see how God works on the mountain, but we learn how God walks in the valley. And one of my favorite songs we've been singing here lately is the song Waymaker, right? And, and, and I love kind of towards the end of this song, it has this line. It says, even when I don't see it, you're working. Even when I don't feel it, you're working. You, you never stop. You, you never stop working. I think that's important in our day and age because let's face it, as, as American Christians, I think sometimes we have a tendency to think that God's only working up on the mountain, right? Because that's when we see Him. When, when life is good and we get the promotion and, and our marriage is good and our kids are respectful and, and we're, we're not in debt and uh, those things happen, man, we're like, man, God, you're so good. You're blessing me. You're blessing me. And as American Christians, we have a tendency to think that the blessed life has to do with all that external stuff. And, and, and so when life is hard, when we find ourselves in the valley, I think sometimes we have this tendency, I mean, we, we really struggle. Let's just be honest. I struggle when I'm in the valley to, to see God at work. And so I had this question this week. That I kind of kept asking myself, well, if, if I can't see God at work in the valley, because I, I don't, maybe you do. Uh, the whole point of this series is that we might start to, right? But, but, but if I have a tendency to not see God at work in the valley, what, what, what can I see God do in the valley? And, and, and the 23rd Psalm kind of brings that to attention. We, we, we may not see God at work in the valley, but we can certainly learn how God walks in the valley. And so uh, let, let's look at verse 4 here. I'm going to put it on the screen for you. Uh, the, the psalmist writes, Man, even when I go through the darkest valley, right? This is, this is David. And even when I go through the darkest valley, I fear no danger... For you are with me, your rod and, and your staff, 
they, they comfort me. And, and, and David says, man, when I, when I go through the valley, I think a better translation, we're, we're reading out of the CSB, I think a better translation here is actually the King James Version because it, it picks up on what we're saying, right? He says, yea, though I walk. What are we doing in the valley, man? We're, we're walking. We're, we're walking through the tough things. We're walking through the hard parts of life. We're not, we're not just laying down. We're not just dying, but we're walking. And so it says, Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I, I'm going to fear no evil because you're with me. Your rod and, and your staff, they, they comfort me. And, and guys, what, I, what I'm saying to you is, is this is key. This is key. One of those reasons that we are in the valley is so that we can learn how God walks. Just think about this with me, right? Ultimately, our greatest example is Jesus Christ. And why does Jesus come to earth? One of the reasons that He comes to earth, friends, is to be our example. To walk before us so that we can then learn how He walks, so that we can follow Him. And what I'm telling you is, listen, we may not see how God works when life is hard, but we certainly can learn how He walks. Okay? Certainly can learn how He walks. We learn a whole lot about God's presence when we are, uh, our lives are full of problems. Right? And so that brings me to our, our second point this morning. This is what I want you to know. Okay? The valleys of life are where we learn that God wants to personally walk with us through every difficulty we face. The valleys of life are where we learn that God wants to personally walk with us through every difficulty we face. And, and so maybe you didn't catch it. There's, there's a huge transition that happened in verse 4. You see the first uh, three verses, David is, is talking about God. And, and he's, he's, he's using words like Lord or He. He's kind of talking about God in, in the third person. But then something happens in, in verse 4. In verse 4, he says, but, but even though I go, even though I walk through the darkest valley, I fear no evil. And this, this is the shift. He, he no longer says, for the Lord. He says, I fear no evil for you. God, for you are with me. Right? We, we've got to catch that, that change in, in language. Because what David is experiencing in, in the toughest places of life is the promise that God made to his kids all throughout the Old Testament. You see, God has always promised. This is, this is what he says to Joshua, right? To, to, to Joshua and, and, and to his kids there. He says, haven't I commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Man, don't be afraid or discouraged for the Lord your God is, is with you where, wherever you go. Uh, to, to his kids through the prophet Isaiah, he speaks these words. He says, don't fear for I'm with you. Don't, don't be afraid for I am your God. I will strengthen you. I, I will help you. I will hold on to you with my, my righteous right hand. And, and, and these, these principles are found all the way through the Old Testament. I mean, think about the exodus from Egypt. What does God do? He, he sends this great pillar cloud that walks before his children. And, and yes, it protects them from the scorching huh, uh, sun. And at night, it, it, it settles down around them, keeps them warm so they don't freeze to death. But, but that pillar cloud was a sign of God's presence, of God saying, I am with you. I am with you. We, we think about the tent of meeting. We think about the tabernacle. What, what was, it was God's presence with His people. The Ark of the Covenant. God's presence with His people. And, and, and that's what God promises all through the Old Testament. And, and ultimately, of course, that promise is fulfilled in, in the person of Jesus Christ. Listen to what it says about Jesus' birth in the book of Matthew. It says, now all of this took place. This is like Jesus being born to a virgin, all those things. It says, now all of this took place to fulfill what was spoken by the Lord through the prophet, 
See, the virgin will become pregnant and give birth to a son, and they will name him Emmanuel, which is translated, what? God with us. God with us. Friends, I just want you to think about this. So why does God come down? Why does God come down to be with us? And I'm going to tell you wholeheartedly, I believe the answer is found all the way back in, in the book of Genesis. It's, a, it's the same reason God came down originally, and that's to walk with us. Genesis 3.8, it says, Then the man and his wife heard the sound of the Lord walking in the garden at the time of the evening breeze. Right? The time of the evening breeze. Uh, God came down to walk with us. He came down to do life with us. He came down so that we could know Him. Of course, again, all of this shepherd imagery, all of it, and it's all over the Old Testament, that God is, is a shepherd. And, and sometimes that word refers to, to God in, in kind of that, that kingly stature, but, but it's a different kind of shepherd, man. And so Jesus is the fulfillment of all that God promised, right? And so Jesus, we find out in John 10, is, is actually the, the good shepherd. And we talk about God not just walking with us, but knowing us personally. Listen to what Jesus says about uh, us. He says, I am the good shepherd. And he says, I know my own. I know my own, and my own know me. Friend, I, I just want to tell you this. I, I don't know where you are. I don't know how you're feeling about life, but I, I know... I know I've probably been there at some point, and it brings me, man, great encouragement to know that Jesus is the good shepherd, that he's the one that walks with me. It gives me even greater encouragement to know that not only is he the good shepherd, but he knows me. And because I'm him, I know him as well, right? Third thing I want to share with you this morning, here it is. The valleys of life are where we learn that God leads and guides us into what is good. The valleys of life are where we learn that God leads and guides us into what is good. And I just want to take a closer look again at the first four verses of Psalm 23. And and we're going to be looking for the word lead. I didn't highlight it. I want you to just kind of mentally catch it. Let's, Let's read it together. I'll put it on the screen, full screen for you to see. I want you to see if you can catch that word. Uh, It's going to pop up a few times. It says, The Lord is my shepherd... I have what I need. He lets me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He renews my life. He, he leads me along the right paths for His namesake. Even when I go through the darkest valley, I fear no evil or no danger. For you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they, they comfort me. They comfort me, Right? And, and so, listen, uh, leads me beside quiet waters, leads me beside uh, right paths, and, uh, and, and, of course, like paths of righteousness. Uh, Jesus comes and He shows us the way that we're supposed to, to live, and, and, and that's certainly great. We, we love those thoughts. But here's a, a, a thought I, I want to I challenge you with, is that one of the things that God leads us to, through, are dark valleys. Last week we looked at the prophet Elijah and God had a hard challenge for Elijah. He says, Elijah, I want you to go to, to Ahab who, who uh, is, is the quote-unquote king of my people and, and he thinks he's the king. I'm going to show him who's really the king. Remember, he says, you're going to tell Ahab it's not going to rain until, uh, until you tell him so. And, and so he goes delivers that, mo- that news and then immediately 
what does God say to his prophet? He says, now you better go and run for your life. You better go and hide in the Wadi Cherith. You're going to go down into the Jordan Valley. And, and, you're gonna, and God, part of God's plan was for his prophet, who was doing what he wanted him to do, to go and hide in the valley for a period to be prepared for the next mountaintop moment that was to come. And, and here's what I'm going to tell you, guys, is that the Lord leads us into what is good. But sometimes to get to the green pasture, we have to go through the dark valley. All right? We, we've got to understand. This is so important to, to how we think about God and, and, then, and then ultimately what we'll think about our own life. Sometimes to get us to that green pasture, God has to lead us first through the dark valley. Uh, last point I want to share with you and then, and then we're done. Ready? I want you to know that the valleys of life are where we learn the extent of God's love for us. The valleys of life are where we learn the extent of God's love for us. And as I kind of thought through things this week, and, and I love a lot of what we've talked about this morning, but this point is really beginning to kind of resonate with my spirit. And, uh, and, and it is this, this thought of, of how much God truly loves you, of how much he really loves me. And so I want you to look at this verse with me, uh, the, the third verse of, of Psalm 23. And uh, this is what it says. It says, He renews my life. He leads me along the paths of righteousness for his namesake. So, uh, so, so uh, of right paths for his namesake. He renews my life. He leads me along the right path for his namesake. And listen, man, that, that whole thought, uh, God renews my life, right? God re- renews my life. And I began to just kind of think about that. And, 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 and guys, mine, listen, I, I'm keeping John 10 in my mind. John 10 is where Jesus shows up and he begins to explain, hey, like, I'm, I'm that. I'm who David was talking about. I'm, I'm, I'm the shepherd that was spoken of all throughout the Old Testament. That's me. I'm the good shepherd. And so Jesus is going to lay some things out. I'm actually going to read John 10 to you uh, here in a second. But, but this thought, I, I just want to think with me as I read through it. How does Jesus renew our life? Right? He, he comes and, and, and he leads us in paths of righteousness. Right? So, so he, he lives the perfect life that we couldn't. He shows us the people we're supposed to be, but that, that wouldn't be enough. Right? If, if he stopped there, that, that wouldn't be enough to renew my life. That, that could give me maybe new direction. That could make me a better person. But that doesn't renew my life. That doesn't cover my sin debt. Right? That, that doesn't make, 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 make me right with, with God. And so I just began to think, well, how does the good shepherd actually renew my life? And I, I think the answer is found in John 10. And so I just want to read that with you, uh, if I can. John chapter 10, and the word of the Lord, uh, Jesus speaking, uh, he says this. He says, a thief comes to steal and to kill and destroy. I have come that they may have life and have it in abundance. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep, right? So he renews my life. He leads me along right paths. He says, I'm the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. The hired hands, since he's not the shepherd, doesn't own the sheep. He leaves them. He runs away when he sees the wolf coming. The wolf then snatches them and scatters them. This happens because he's a hired hand and he doesn't care about them. And that's the key to the whole thing, that last part. The good shepherd lays down his life. The hired hand runs away. Why? Because he doesn't care about him. You see what Jesus is saying, man, is I care about you. And because I love you, I'm going to lay my very life down for you. Friends, that's the key to how our life is renewed. 
because of the perfect life, right? The example of Jesus. But if Jesus had just come and shown us how to live, it wouldn't have been enough. We might have a new direction, but we wouldn't be forgiven. And so Jesus, the good shepherd, to renew us, doesn't just show us what righteousness looks like. He doesn't just walk so we can see him and and then model our lives after him. He knows something has to transpire first before we can walk and follow after him, walk in his footsteps. What has to transpire first is we must be born again. Our life must be renewed. And the only way for that that to happen is for the good shepherd to lay down his life. Praise be to God, amen, for the life and the perfect death the resurrection of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. So, so what do we do, man, when, when that begins to kind of sink in? And I, I've got four things I'll share with you quickly, and we'll be done. Here's the first thing I, I think uh, this message calls us to do. Ready? I, I think we need to remember, I think we need to remember that uh, God is, is with us. And so uh, scholars would tell you that the key phrase to, to all of, of Psalm 23 is that recognition that David has in verse 4 when the language shifts, when he goes from, from talking about the Lord, talking about Him, talking about He, to suddenly when he says, but when I walk through the darkest valley, because God, when, when I'm in the darkest place, you... Not, not just the Lord, not, not some up there God that's in charge of all things but doesn't care about me. But you, Lord, are, are not just up there, you are here with me. You are here with me. And friends, we, we, we've got to get this, man. This is so key to our Christian life is to remember that God, yeah, yeah listen, He's going to walk us through some hard places. And, and, and listen, that's actually part of his plan. We'll get to that again in a second. But God walks us through these hard places so that he can remind us that we are never alone. That we are never alone. And I, I just want to encourage you, would you take that to heart? Would you take, it, it will transform your Christian life if you will just remember that God is with you. Maybe you do that by practicing his presence, right? This isn't a slide, it's just something I'd share with you. So how do I practice his presence? Well, you, you can pray. Right, the Bible says we should pray without ceasing. I think when you talk to Jesus everywhere you go, you kind of remember he's with you. Right? So you get in the car, hey Jesus, we're about to go somewhere. Uh, listen, I could really use some help. I don't love this curvy road. I'm driving at night. It's going to be raining. Uh, you, you wake up in the morning, you're about to get the kids out of bed. You go, Jesus, uh, this whole parent thing, I ain't great at it. Like I'm going to need some help. I'm going to need some patience. They're going to get up complaining. It's going to start when they see what breakfast is. Uh, right? I mean, all those kind of things, just in every circumstance. Jesus, I need your help. We practice his presence. So, so that's the first thing. We need to remember that God is with us. Here's the second thing I want you uh, to do, guys, is uh, I want you to let God restore your life. To let God restore your life. And, and, and this, this is, right? So, so David says from the beginning, he says, the Lord is my shepherd. And, and so all the promises of Psalm 23 that we get there happen because the, the Lord is David's shepherd. Because David belongs to the Lord. And, and so what I, I'm going I'm to say to you is, listen, uh, God wants you to belong to Him too. And, and He can restore your life, but you've got to let Him. And, and so God's not going to, He's not going to forcefully just be like, blah, you, you, you have to, like, He's not going to make you a slave. That's not what love is. Love always provides an option for you to respond, right? Because forced love isn't love. And so what God does is He does everything for you. He even comes down, walks with you, shows you what life is supposed to be like. Then He dies in your place. He lays down His life to pay your sin debt. He does all that for you because He wants to renew your life. But ultimately, it doesn't renew your life 
until you receive that gift. That's what the Bible says. For God so loved the world, he gave his one and only son. This is an act of love. Jesus lovingly came and lived the life that you couldn't. He showed you what life is supposed to be about. But then he laid down his life because he's the good shepherd. He laid down his life so, so that your life could be restored. Friend, have you trusted Jesus? Have you ever thought that there's a God that made you, created you, made you in his image? Have you ever felt a distance and thought, I've got to do something about it? Maybe you're listening and you're not a member of our church and you've tried religion. You're like, man, I've tried those things. I've tried to pray. I've tried to read my Bible. I've gone to church sometimes. Those people, they're just hypocrites. Uh, by the way, church is a hospital, so you're going to meet a lot of people that don't have things going on right here. Uh, but, but listen, the heart of it is that ultimately none of those things matter. If, if all you do is look at how Jesus lived his life and then you try to do that, you're going to fail miserably. Even after you receive the gift of Jesus, his, his, his perfect life and death on the cross, you're still going to fail miserably. With the power of the Holy Spirit in you, you will still fail. But man, without Jesus, you can't be restored. Without Jesus, you can't be restored. He is the only way that we can be reconciled to God. And so if that's you, and you'd like to do that today, just at home where you are, maybe you're on your couch or you're on your computer or on your cell phone, and you hear this message, you say, how could I have my life restored? And the way that you can have that life restored and walk in fellowship with God like it was meant to be back in Genesis 3 before the fall is to pray a simple prayer like this, God, I've heard about your son Jesus. I've heard that you sent him to earth to die in my place. And, and listen, I, I know that I'm a sinner. And I can't change that. I know that I could, everything in me, I could try to walk like Jesus, but I'd fail miserably and that wouldn't change my sin debt to you. I know that I'm a sinner. And so what I need is I need you to restore my life. And I've been told the only way to do that is to allow Jesus to come into my life and to be my lead and to be my guide and to be my shepherd. King Jesus, would you do that right now? And friend, if you'll pray that prayer, I, I, God will honor it. I, the Bible says that today you will be born again and that you'll become a child of God and an heir of the kingdom, and all of the great glories of God will be yours, right? That's awesome. That's awesome. So that's the second thing. Third thing, third thing. We need to, because of this message, we need to follow Jesus' example. Because of this message, we need to follow Jesus' example. And so what did, what did Jesus do, Right? What's the point of the valley? One of the points of the valley is that we learn how God walks. That's the point. And, and so when life is hard, right, we, 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 get, to, we get to understand God's presence, that, that He's with us, that He never leaves us, that he, he never forsakes us. Why did Jesus come down? To show us who God really is. To show us that what, what life really is. Like Jesus actually stepped out of heaven, right? He stepped off of the mountain into the valley. And, and so what do we do? Well, we, we have to look at how he lived in the valley. We have to look at, at how he dealt with difficulty. We have to look at how he dealt with persecution. How did he deal with, with hate? We have to look at those things and then listen. Listen. Because he came down to walk with us, to show us how to walk, we then, the Bible calls us time and time again, then to walk like him. That's what Christian means, by the way. It means little Christ. It means to follow in his footsteps. And so we, we have to walk like Jesus walked. I, I, think, I think Philippians 2 is such an encouragement to me. Uh, Paul writes, If there's any encouragement in Christ, if any consolation of love, if any fellowship with the Spirit, if any affection and mercy, make my joy complete by, by thinking the same way, having the same love, being united in spirit, intent on one purpose. And this is, this is what he drops. And it's like, it's like a loving hammer on your soul. Okay, uh, He says, Do nothing 
nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit, but in humility consider others as more important than yourself. Everyone should look out, not only for his own interests, but also for the interests of others. He says, adopt the same attitude as that of Christ Jesus, who, existing in the form of God, did not consider equality with God as something to be exploited. Instead, he emptied himself by assuming the form of a servant, taking on the likeness of humanity. And when he had come as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. And the point is that he was our example. And Jesus came, he stepped off the mountain and into the valley to show us how to walk, and we are called to walk like he walked. Friend, can I just ask, are are you walking in humility? Right? I mean, it's almost election time. Are, Are you walking in humility? In your marriage? Do you look at your spouse? Are, are you walking in humility? Uh, parents, when you, you, you deal with your kids, whoo, are you walking in humility? Are you walking in pride? Kids, when you look at your parents and you think they don't have any idea what they're talking, are you walking in humility? Are you serving others, right? Laying down your life, uh, making others uh, more important than you? Because that's part of the process, right? That's part of the deal. And so, so we are called to walk like Jesus. Finally, uh, I just want to say this to you as we kind of close out, not just this morning's lesson, but really the whole series, is, is I want to challenge you. I think the challenge of this last little part here is to trust God's good plan, especially in the dark valley. To trust God's good plan, especially in the dark valley. And, and I just, listen... That, that's a whole, right? We, we began week one, and we said the valleys of life are part of God's good plan. And, and, and listen, David here is, is realizing this. He's like, man, I'm, I'm in a dark place, God. And, and maybe that's you. Maybe right now. I mean, let's just be honest. We Five months of not seeing one another, and, and iron not sharpening iron the way that it should, and those kind of things, it's taken its toll. And I don't know what your dark valley is. Maybe your dark valley right now is health. Right? Maybe it's physical health. Maybe your dark valley right now is emotional health. Right? Amen? Can I get an amen? Can I get a witness from home? And she's like, man, emotionally I am struggling. Maybe your dark valley right now is spiritual health. Maybe because of that isolation and, and, and that's brought up triggers from your past and maybe you, you found yourself caught in, in a sin cycle and now you're stuck in shame and guilt. And you don't know what to do. I, I don't know. Maybe your dark valley right now is your marriage. And, and uh, listen, I, I saw a statistic that said uh, that here coming out of Corona, there are currently more people filing for divorce than, like, I mean, it was a huge percentage more than normal. And, uh, and, and some people are blaming on, well, I was just stuck in this house with this person. There's more to it than that, friends. That, listen, we know this world is, is spiritual. We don't see the spiritual. We get caught in the physical, but we know it's spiritual. And so, listen, I just want to say to you, listen... I don't know what, what part of this dark valley you're in. I don't. But I do want to remind you that it's part of God's plan. Listen, God, this is awesome. God's intent is, is not that you stay in the valley. But God's intent is that you would experience Him personally in this valley. And that you would let Him, as you lean on Him, you're going to have to. As you lean on Him, that you would let Him lead you out into the greener pasture, into the good things he has for you. God has good things for you. But you've got to let him lead you out of this place.
friend, would you do that? I challenge you to do that. I challenge you to do that. I'm going to pray for you in just a second. Before I do, I want to share one announcement. It's really cool. We're excited about this. Uh, Next Sunday, we start a brand new series, and it is called uh, The Real God. And and there's some books available. You guys can check your email. We've sent out email, uh, email links where you can purchase a book if you want to purchase a book. But man, we're going to have tons of content. We will send you stuff, families. We've got devotionals. There'll be, there'll be questions you can ask your kids, questions you can ask your, your teens, questions you can ask of yourself. Of course, we'll have uh, discussion points. Um, it, it's going to be awesome. So it's going to be church-wide. Everybody's going to be kind of talking about these things together, which is going to be great. And uh, our, our men, our, our women, our, our kids, our youth. And so we're really excited about, about this new series that's coming up. And uh, so we hope that you'll be a part of it. We also hope to have some some other good news for you uh, coming very, very shortly. Be patient with us, but I think we've got an announcement maybe maybe just right on the horizon about when we get to see each other's faces again. So uh, do this with me. Pray with me this morning. Father God, thank you for loving us. God, thank you for allowing us to gather uh, in spirit and truth wherever we are. God, most of all, thank you um, for the truth of your word and the gift of your son, Jesus Christ, who is our good shepherd. Jesus, you have come and, and, and you have shown us how to live, but you've also shown us that you are the epitome of God's promise, that you never leave us, that you never forsake us. That's what you said, right? You said, you said go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you. Uh, and, then, and then you made this promise, and surely I am with you to the very end of the age. Jesus, thanks for being with us. Thanks for walking with us through these difficult times we find ourselves in. I want to pray for every person that is in a dark valley right now. And God, I'm going to pray, Holy Spirit, by your power, would they, would they experience the goodness of Jesus in this moment? And would they trust him enough to let him lead them out of this place and into that greener pasture? In Jesus' name we pray these things. Amen. Amen. Church, we love you so much. God bless you. Thank you for being with us. Cannot wait to see you next week. Bye.